at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. Okay, so the story is that a group of hairstylists and petitions are heading to court to challenge the regulations that prohibit them from reopening, arguing the financial strains on the lockdown was becoming too hard to bear and causing irreparable damage uh, and to the industry. And so there has been a petition that's been going around and the signatures by the look of things are quite a quite a, a sizable number of signatures that they've managed to pull together. I think it's about 70,000 as we speak. So we're trying to get to the person who's organizing this entire petition and the court case, Mariska Duplessis. We're still trying to get hold of, hold of them. They're, they're called division manager. He, she's a division manager at the Northern Gauteng for the Employers Organization for Hairdressing, Cosmetology and Beauty. So they are organized as a group and they've put together this petition and as well as uh, plans to go to court. But as soon as we get hold of her, we'll try and get to that story and the facts of what exactly it is that is on their petition and what they'd like to see happen. But let's just also get a, a personal story from somebody who owns a beauty salon. Um, uh, the salon is called La Jawi and Jawat Mapoto is um, well-renowned, Miss Universe hairstylist, award-winning celebrity hairstylist and so on. But I'm sure times are quite tough at the moment. Jawat, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And um, thank you for your personal story. Good afternoon. In the SAFM business. How has business been, Jawad? Business has been rough on our side. You know, I mean, not getting paid, and some of them, this is, you know, it's like it's a total disaster that is really affecting us mm. in a horrible way. When did you close shop? Did you? I mean, I know the the closing for many was the twenty seventh of March. When did you close your salon? Yeah, we closed when the real lockdown begins. I know there was a soft one that yeah. uh, was like a week or so, and uh, things had to be forced that uh, we must. Uh, Jawad, your line sounds quite quite low. I'm going to just put you back on hold so that we can try and sort it out uh, while I try and uh, also get your comments on this because it's it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I, I completely get it. I, I reached out to my hairdresser and I said to her, you know, look, it's bad. <laughs> it's, oh, it's bad. Um, and I'd love to, to, to you know, to, to get your hands on my head. But Times are, you know, are quite tough. So the best I can do is to keep checking up on you and and seeing how maybe I can pay forward or something, you know, uh, because I know that you've stopped working completely and you rely completely on this income. This is your livelihood. This is your career and so on. So I was just quite curious on the fact that, um, I, you know, I wanted her to be aware that I'm aware that it's things are the way they are. She really appreciated that. But I also didn't know how else to help beyond saying, well, let me see what I can do in the meantime. But I'm also, you know, I'm not the only client she has. So not not all of us are going to reach out and try and see if you can help. But the situation is quite dire for them. I think many of us are just living with whatever it is that we have to deal with, you know, whether your nails or whether it's your hair, it's looking all sorts of things. It's okay. It's just weighing up those options between health and and the reality of business. And for Jawad, who, who owns a salon, I'm just curious, Jawad, 
when you think through the lockdown and what it means for you, are, are you also weighing up the safety of your own staff and yourself? Yeah, no, definitely safety has always been uh, an exercise that we've been, as, as professional hairdressers, we've been exercising, you know, in a sense that uh, we do on the tools that we use, you know, and so it's like, you know, it's one of those things that you always had to deal with, you know, as we live in a world whereby clients nowadays know what is hygiene and all those things. So you really can't be clumsy and get, give people diseases. What would you like to see happen, Jawad? I would definitely like to see the government opening for us, you know, because, I mean, it's a real struggle. And, I mean, in terms of the health challenges, it's it's more of a, a safety reasons whereby we definitely are forced to exercise hygiene on another level, you know, whereby we treat our clients wearing all those masks and gloves in a sense that we manage the timing in, the in and out. So it's more of really trying to survive in this case, even though most people are really scared, you know, just to exercise and put the, the regulations in place whereby clients would understand that this is the new way of doing things nowadays. How are you going to keep that distance? You know, the distance thing, I honestly don't even see it in the shops. I mean, every now and then they will say on the, when you enter this, that distance. But you see when people are in the shops, it's like everyone is just minding their own business. It's like we exercise it up to a certain point, you know. But I think it's the disease is something else that as individuals, we need to really exercise how to care for ourselves and know what we get ourselves into and health-wise and how to really take uh, medicine that will help you prevent the disease before it comes into you or before it destroys you. Jeffrey, let me know. Can I just take a call from Jeffrey, who's calling us from the Free State? Jawad, maybe they've got a comment for you. Jeffrey, hi. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Jeffrey? Yeah, I want. I got two questions. Mm. Number one, these people doing a salon or barbering. Mm-hmm. I want to ask, how do they expect them to eat? They got family. They got kids. Even though I saw two of my friends yesterday, mm. I feel I feel sorry for them. I'm telling you. They tell me they don't have food pass. They, they, they can't get food pass. They, uh, many things they are just complaining to me. Mm-hmm. I have to share the question that I got. I, 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 I understand. And, and, and the second one, the concern uh, this, uh, what they call it, uh, this uh, relief grant of 350. Yes. If you, are, if you applied with your ID number, everything, they will tell you the, your application is successful. They don't even ask you your, your banking details and other things, and they don't get back to you. How do they expect how they say that now I had they want to they want to they will start paying tomorrow. To which account? Jeffrey can you give me, can you give me clarity mm, on which account? Mm. Because they don't get back to us. Mm. 
Okay. Jeffrey, can I ask with just humility to park that issue? Because we ourselves have been trying to get the officials to, to address many, many of the questions like yourselves. So let's just park that one for a minute and we'll give it more attention. We'll seek the right answers for you. I know everybody is anxious and very concerned. I don't want to mislead you. So let me ask if we can park that one. But uh, thanks very much for calling. And, 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 and yeah, what, you know, what Jeffrey was asking is, in the meantime, how have you been surviving? Like, we, the thing is, like, the little that we had was just helping out, you know. Mm-hmm. And really, it's tough to survive in these conditions, you know, because, I mean, you know, as a hairdresser or a small business, the UIF is not one of the things that most small business think about. And when you look at it, you really have to comply to be able to get something out of the UIF or something. So it's like, for us, it's like, you know, you survive by what you get. So if you really don't get any other thing, it's a problem. But it's really a lesson, you know, in the sense that uh, we need to always plan ahead for, as, as in life, you need to learn how to plan for disasters, you know, to save money and to plan your life accordingly because we never know what can happen in life. So this is just a big lesson to most of us who are self-employed. Can I ask you if you've reached out to the small business department because it's, it's another option that we were asked that if you're a tiny business, you may be able to get some relief there. Have you tried there? I know that I know that the UIF thing is quite complicated. With regards to the small business department, have you reached out to them? Yeah, I did reach out to them, but uh, nothing has come out. But I got another message uh, yesterday that uh, I must fill in more things. So hopefully something will come out. But most of the people that I've been talking to, it's like uh, no one of them has been gotten any other thing or any other feedback in terms of funds. Jawad, um, look, I don't know what to say to you because I don't have the answers, but I want to thank you so much for making the time to talk to us and for your thoughts and your reality. What I have invited is uh, Debbie Root. Thank you so much, Debbie Root, who is an economist who came at a very last minute to talk to us about. It's a, it's a big conversation, Davi. Um, as you can see, everybody you know is either on the extreme left or the right. It's others are saying the economy or health and so on. We are there. We're at that point where people are now pitting one over the other. Your thoughts on how we're managing the economy at the moment? Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Well, I think in short, the short answer to that is that we are totally mismanaging the economy at the moment. Um, I've done some calculations and I am pretty sure that more people will die because of poverty than people that will die because of this virus. Remember, poverty is the biggest killer out there and poverty kills by way of various means. For example, um, you will see, for instance, that people that um, in poor countries, they live much shorter lives than people people in rich countries so that is that's the most important indicator indicator that poverty itself kills and what we are currently doing we are putting the economy into lockdown uh, it will increase poverty in south africa it will increase unemployment and the sooner we open up this economy the better and we have been in a in a crisis before the virus already and i'm afraid with the virus, now it's a crisis on top of a crisis, and the South African economy is going to suffer. We will see huge 
increases in unemployment and many businesses will close down, especially smaller businesses. Uh, and I think that is exactly what the topic is about today. So, Davi, help me out here because I'm missing something, unless if maybe I'm really slow, okay? I listened to the president and by all accounts, he has got the right attitude, if that's the right word, you know? So he's saying all the right things and I get the feeling when I listen to him that he's on my side as a citizen, right? Yeah. But, but, but as you said, we are making what I would think are obvious mistakes with regards to the economy. And I am no economist at all with no knowledge at all of how the economy works. But what does concern me is I don't know if the council itself, the COVID-19 council that sits together and analyzes these things is as, for instance, as varied as it should be. In other words, do we have really honestly and truly representatives of every single sector voicing concerns of people like the hairdressers like the informal uh, economy yeah. and so on I i'm just worried that some of these mistakes even though i respect the fact that the president admits to the mistakes but they sometimes yeah. seem to me quite obvious and they also sometimes seem to me like what 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 are we missing? Why do we say the one thing and and I get the fact that I he's worried about us, but on the ground, I I'm also hearing that the the guys that sell potatoes and tomatoes, uh, their yeah. permits have stopped being given. You know they've stopped being given yeah. by the local council, so that trade cannot happen. I hear things like one the one minister saying, if you're not going to be if you're going to be buying the short sleeves, it better be an undergarment or else. I mean it's crazy. If I'm going to be buying a jersey and I honestly feel like buying a new T-shirt, I mean really really. How is that now going to change the fact that I've gone to the shop and I'm still purchasing something? So I'm just yeah. saying, I wonder whether I'm missing something here. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't you feel alone on that one? I think I'm missing a couple of things here as well. But let me let me give you a, a few pointers that I think may point us in, a, in the right direction. I think to start off with, the decision by the president to put the, the country in lockdown the first time was the right decision given what we knew about the virus at that time. Mm. So I do agree that the, the decision yeah. that he took at the initial was the right one. We didn't know what the impact is going to be and we didn't know what the impact on the economy is going to be. Mm -hmm. Subsequently, we've learned a lot. We learned that the mortality rate of the virus is probably much lower than what we thought at that time. Mm. We also learned that the impact on the economy with that degree of lockdown will be much worse than we probably thought at that time. And subsequently, of course, we've, with the, all this additional information, we should uh, change the way that we are handling this virus. Unfortunately, and this is the way I understand it, once you take a decision, and especially it's a very important decision, like whether you want to lock down the economy or not, once, once you've taken that decision, it is very difficult for any human to turn around and to say, listen, maybe I've overdone things a little bit, maybe we should take another direction. So I think there's, there's a human factor to this as well. The, the president, after all, is only human as well. But as an economist, I think a very important contributing factor to all of this is, is that we have, to, we have a certain ideology here. We have certain ministers, let me give you a name to him, it's Minister Patel, for example. We know that he believes in a very heavy-handed uh, approach to business. He wants to prescribe to business on everything. And now you get these 
completely total silly suggestions on whether we are, are allowed to buy open shoes or closed shoes. How that can have any impact on a virus simply beats me. So I think there's an ideological thing here as well. We've got a bunch of ministers that all of a sudden have got a lot of power and they simply do not want to let go. They feel far too important to, to, to admit that the best way to approach this is to simply leave this to the market. And I think it's a combination of all these factors. But I have a suspicion that the simple ideological approach to this is also partly to be blamed. Mm. There are two voice notes, Davi, before I let you go. Let's just listen to those. Pimelo, uh, thanks for your show, for the hairdress I was on a show with you. But I want to know, because he, he needs to be able to say what health and safety plan, management plan, have they got in place that will be able to protect himself and the customers should they be allowed to start work? Because he hasn't said much on that. Even when he goes to court, how is he going to prove that? Hi, I was Pimelo and Josie here. I think that the biggest problem with COVID-19 and the economy in South Africa is that we are taking the advice and bullying of a police minister. Benitola should only be talking about using DNA forensics so that we can track and detect crime, not telling us what should be open and what should be closed. The things that the government has done were so economically unnecessary and they're going to thwart us even further as the South African citizens and the taxpayer. Thanks very much for that. Um, I don't know if you want to comment, Davi, but I do want you to comment uh, as you round up. Just for me, I wonder if it's not time for us to really honestly, flexibly and humbly accept that we need to revisit the type of an economy that we have and start having a different conversation. It's not a conversation we can have today, but I wonder if it's something that you guys as professionals are starting to think about. Yes, uh, yes, and I think that's a very long discussion and maybe we should have it one day. It's probably going to take us a couple of hours. But a very important trend that I've picked up here and I think it's quite interesting for me as an economist, and that is uh, we used to go to hairdressers to have your hair done. We used to go to mechanics to have to look after your car, for example, and I think in future it's going to look different. This is one change that this virus is probably going to bring about, and that is that in future, hairdressers are probably going to visit you at home, and you, uh, mechanics may even come and visit you at home. So I think some of those trends that we saw previously will be turned around completely, and obviously the other trends, like, for example, people will m- work more from home, and that also has been brought about by the virus in the way that we're handling this. So, yes, there's a lot of hardship. And believe me, poverty and unemployment will go up in South Africa. It's going to be extremely difficult for many, many years. But the, the, the brighter side certainly is is that this virus that's actually forcing us, mm-hmm. or the way that we're handling the virus is actually forcing us into the fourth industrial revolution in a way. Yeah. And there's a lot, many reasons to be quite excited about the future as well. David Roy, thank you so much. And I really appreciate the fact that you've taken our call so quickly uh, at such a last minute request. Ziad, let's go quickly to you in Bulukwane. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Tamelo. I'm just going to be very brief here. Yes, sir. Um, even if it means to go back into paraffin and candles, mm. we are ready. As long as our lives are safe, because the important thing is life. Mm. We can rebuild the economy, but you cannot build 
If somebody is dead, you, you cannot, cannot bring that person yes, back to life again. Yeah, so that is cannot, my point, brief and short. You cannot bring that person back to life. It's complicated, hey, Ziad. It's very, very complicated. And that's what makes this conversation so sensitive. Thank you so much for your comment there. And I really appreciate all your other voices. And you've asked some very important questions, you know, that in, in as much as we empathize, and uh, some of you empathize with Jawad, and, and the fact that he wants to go back to work, he wasn't answering some of the difficult questions about how is he going to manage safety? Um, what is it that that, that he's not part, by the way, of the people who are taking the president to court. He's not. This is just an individual who is just telling us his personal story. That group, uh, we were not able to get hold of them. They had a promise to come to us uh, at a certain time, and we just haven't been able to get through. But the point is that you are saying, in as much as we all empathize with his plight, we didn't get enough sense that he's thought through the safety. I don't know what you think your thoughts are on that. It's obviously open and there are obviously lots of ways of looking at this. But I'll take your comments on this one on 891 Let's go to Utsile Saku for the latest in headlines. It's one thirty.